Hey, Pitt, its net rating isn't great. I want to discuss that and why these metrics show Pitt as less than some other teams. And Darrell Reeves makes it to the Hall of Fame. Let's talk about all that today on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the locked on pit podcast your daily podcast covering the pittsburgh panthers and as always folks want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started folks let's talk about pit basketball we've talked a lot about this team uh recently and rightfully so this is a really fun team to watch it's the renaissance of pit basketball, if you will. Um, but there's always been this one nagging thing that you look at with Pitt. And it's their net rating, their Ken Palm rating. Their net rating, they currently sit in the high 50s. They're 52 after their win against Louisville. They've been in the 60s before. Then you even look at they're Ken Palm. They are currently sitting at 60th overall right now. And people ask, well, why is it that way? Let me let me try and, and, and kind of break this down for you um, of why Pitt's net and Ken Palm rating aren't that great. First of all, it's something I've mentioned a lot. Pitt has played a lot of close games, and they've won a lot of close games. And then you also look at blowout losses, and this has been something that really has killed Pitt. Um, Just looking back to their loss um, against Michigan, West Virginia, um, and, and even their loss to Florida State, but those blowouts really tank it. Uh, that three-game stretch from West Virginia to VCU is really still weighing Pitt down. But the schedule is probably the biggest factor in all of this. Um, net just kind of, you know, net net weighs a lot of things. And those margins of victory are the, are the lowest amount um, of kind of weighing it, right? But when you look at Pitt, and their, their schedule, their schedule is just really, really easy. It is not an easy, uh, a good schedule. Now, listen, they're 5-2 against quad one teams. They have eight quad one and quad two wins. That's really good for them. Um, and, and that's going to be a positive for them no matter what. They, these are really good. Um, really good wins for them. Uh, they're eight and one against the quad four. The Florida State loss still, it, it sucks, right? But their strength of schedule, it just has a lot of quad three, quad four games. They have ten quad three games thus far this year. Uh, quad three and quad four games, and there's going to be so many more upcoming uh, this year in the ACC. That bottom third of the ACC really tanks a lot of their a lot of the value in the net ratings um, for a lot of these teams that didn't play great non-conference schedules. Pitt really wasn't one of those. 
Um, Pitt was not a team that played elite non-conference competition, and, and that really is going to hurt Pitt um, in terms of their rating here, this net rating. And so when you look at the rest of their schedule, for example, uh, it's a quad three against Florida State on Saturday, a quad four against Boston College next Tuesday. Uh, they go to Virginia Tech next Saturday. That is a quad one game. That is one of their two quad one games on the road. Then they have Georgia Tech at home, quad four. Syracuse at home, quad three. Notre Dame on the road, quad three. Miami on the road, quad one. So they have two quad one games left, three quad three games left, and two quad four games left. And and so really, that's the crux of why their net isn't where it is. It's two reasons. Their schedule is soft, for one, and then for two, it is their lack of decisive wins. Um, and, and so when you kind of put it all together um, with the scoring margin notes, um, you, you look at kind of their their efficiency is pretty good. I think that's what's actually bumping them up a lot. Um, that is exactly what is going to allow Pitt to kind of continue to climb if they keep winning. Um, if they just get it done, man, in the win column, they'll be okay. Um, they've beaten tournament caliber teams, and, and you look at what the NCAA is going to look at. The tournament selection committee is going to look at quality wins against other tournament teams um, as as a big indicator of of what you can do at this point in the season. Pitt, you know, Northwestern that'll be a good win. Northwestern continuing to kind of surge up and and kind of start to really creep in there. Um, you you kind of look at them. Uh, you look at another team, for example, like a. Uh, Miami, that's win. The Virginia win is going to be big for them. Um, but they hate losses. Net hates losses that are Q3 and Q4. And so that loss to Florida State is going to tank pit all year long. Uh, it just is. And so they have a lot more quad four games. They still have quad three games. It's a pretty easy uh, schedule down the stretch. And it's one of the easiest schedules in the country in terms of that. Um, you look over the next two weeks, in fact, they have the easiest schedule in the Power Six. If you include the Big East in there, Pitt has the easiest schedule in terms of net rating um, for these for these teams. That's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because Pitt at this point only has to solidify it, and they have to beat those teams. It's a curse, though, because you lose to them at a team that is – you know, just work themselves off the bubble. You feel like Pitt's a little bit above the bubble now. They're above the last four buys. They're, they're comfortably an eight or a nine seed now. Well, now all of a sudden, they crash down because they lose um, to one of these teams. This is exactly why Pitt cannot lose to one of these teams. Um, to me, and it's, it's, not, it's not great analysis. It's just kind of what they have to do, right? The stage of which they are in, in the season is not building a resume. It is solidifying a resume. And that's what I want to get across here. This net rating, it doesn't matter as much as long as pitches takes care of their business. They'll continue to rise. Um, and by the time, you know, tournament season rolls around, uh, you know, they win all the games they need to win. They'll be firmly within the top 50. And they'll be they'll be pretty, pretty comfortable, I, I think, at that point. Um, if they can continue just to win games. This team... Just needs to do that and beat the teams you can beat. The, the, the issue with the ACC is it's not a good conference, right? You just you probably all saw 
the graphic that said uh, the Mountain West is now better conference than the ACC this year um, by the metrics. The computers don't like the ACC, but on the court, the ACC, while it's a bad conference, it's not a conference where that lower third cannot just come up and, and punch you one one day. Um, you know, Louisville probably can't, but a Georgia Tech even can. Uh, they did to Miami. You you look at Notre Dame, they certainly can. Syracuse certainly can. Boston College, absolutely they can. Um, Boston College has that high-end uh, talent with Quentin Post and, and the Ashton Lankford um, brothers. Um, so it, it's it's really kind of hard for Pitt um, to, to fully – walk the line here they can't sleepwalk through their schedule um but this is why the net rating doesn't like pit but if they beat the teams they should their net rating will continue to go up that'll become a boon for them and as long as they beat those teams those q3 those q4 games that i talked about i think pitt's going to be able to actually make this tournament rather comfortably at that point um that'll be 15 and 5 very easy uh, for them to kind of just walk into the tournament at that point with their wins. And, and I, I do want to keep talking a little bit about uh, this pit basketball team and, and kind of where their strengths are and kind of what's going on with the depth of this team. But first, folks, I want to let you know about FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On, folks, this year. The only app you need for your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook and we're really excited about the new betting partner we have in FanDuel because for Locked On they're the number one sportsbook in America and if you're new to FanDuel that's even better they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown and so much more with their player props. And listen, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So best of all, you can get all of those winnings that you might make instantly. It is so good to be with FanDuel. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, folks. Let's continue here to talk about this pit team, um, kind of what they're growing into. Um, I was looking over uh, some some trends today. Um, and I find it always fascinating to look at, at kind of these metrics um, because it really is kind of eye-opening when you get when you are able to look at a lot of your teams just kind of from the back view. Um, you look at a team like Pitt, for example, and they are kind of in a weird ranking. So they're really efficient offensively. And one of the biggest things that, you know, there, there's a kind of the four formula, if you will, uh, of winning in basketball. Pitt's really good on offense of being efficient. And they're really good to at kind of just defending the paint, not allowing a lot of points to be scored there. Um, they have a lot good stats in their direction. Um, free throws is another one, you know, just shooting uh, 77% from the line, 24th in the nation. 
such a big change. And then the three point percentage, you know, the, the amount of three points they take, the amount they make, um, it's it's really good. But here's a few kind of breakdowns I wanted to um, in some trends that um, I'm using Haslam metrics right now that kind of they mention um, with Pitt is that they are worse against teams that can really shoot the ball. Um, if you kind of look at at the effective offensive field goal percentage against average opponents that have that kind of around a 45%, um, they only perform above the norm about 20% of the time. So really, when teams know how to shoot well, that's when Pitt can get into trouble. And, and we've, we've seen that before. Um, we saw that against Wake Forest where Pitt really got into a fight with them. Um, you kind of also look to me at that Florida State loss as a big indicator of that to me. Um, when they lost that game, what was it? It was the three-point shot. Um, and, and Florida State isn't some sharpshooting team, but they can get hot from deep. Um, and they have enough capable guys there. Um, so in that game, you know, when Florida State did shoot to that effective field goal percentage of over 45, that's when Pitt can really get caught kind of napping. Um, so, you know, against kind of the remaining where, you know, they're just average or, or below average, Pitt does win those games usually. Um, so that is, is kind of a good sign for Pitt. Pitt beats the teams that they are supposed to generally. Um, now, this is something. Um, when you have an efficient team on offense that they face too, it got, kind of goes with this. Pitt doesn't have a good enough defense to really slow them down. Um, that is something that becomes very evident um, when a team is more of a defensive style team. Pitt is able to kind of crack them down and break them down. We've seen that before. Um, Virginia is a clear example of that, where Pitt was kind of able to crack down Virginia a little bit. Um, but when teams can shoot the ball really well and they can turn into a barn burn, that's when Pitt can get into trouble. And Florida State was able to do that in that second half. And they're able to build leads. And, and these cold spells are also kind of interesting for Pitt because they're a very volatile team that doesn't have a ton of consistency um, from from kind of quarter to quarter. Uh, if you can't take your four-minute periods and you break it down, Pitt does not have a lot of consistency. And that's very uh, fascinating to me, actually, about that. So Pitt has a lot of cold and dry spells throughout the game, more than the average team, which I find – uh, to be kind of indicative by the eye test, but this is why Pitt can get down 10 points to certain teams, but they can come back because they are a team that goes on a lot of runs. Um, so they're very run heavy. Um, and they get a lot of kill shots in kill shot, you know, that 10-0 run or more when they need it. Um, so they can do that. And more importantly, kind of where Pitt can get caught is with long teams that that are able to keep a defensive a defensive efficiency kind of down um when you have a really good offensive team but a really bad defensive team Pitt has been able to win those games um Syracuse brings to mind um you look at a, a Miami where they have won those games but a longer team like a Duke or a Florida State has gotten them and has nipped them in the butt um a little bit and so this is why like Florida State ain't a great match because even on the metrics Florida State's not a terrible team uh, defensively, and so what Florida State kind of has that ability to catch fire from deep. Um, they are the team to me of, of these kind of lower pool teams that can give Pitt trouble. Um, so it, it, that's kind of why I was worried the first time they faced them. Um, it came to fruition um, when they lost that game. 
Now, second time around, Florida State's going to have to replicate a lot of the shooting that they did in that game. But there is a formula, and it's, a, it's already a formula we've seen play out. And Florida State hasn't shot the ball well recently, so they could be due for another breakout game. Um, so it's certainly something to watch. I think that you kind of look at it, and you certainly think about it. Um but you look at, at Pitt, for example, um, against Florida State, and kind of where you expect this game to fall. Well, it, Pitt's going to be favored by about seven. Um, they're expected to win this game about 77 to 71. Um, so that's what kind of the expected value is here. But look at a Florida State team um, and kind of what they struggle against. Um, and you kind of look, they're, they're – they're better than they are. Uh, you know, it's it is a they're eight and seventeen, but they're better than eight and seventeen. Um, and I think that's kind of the weird thing. So Florida State does does struggle against a few things. One, teams that rebound well offensively. Pitt isn't a great defensive rebounding team, but they do get after the boards offensively and they create second chances. So Pitt is able to kind of create that. Um, a lot of the time. That's where Florida State really struggles. Um, Florida State struggles against teams that really push the pace. I think you saw that at the beginning of the second half when Pitt really started to kind of go up-tempo and, and play a different style. I think that's a cool thing about Pitt is that they have different formulas, and then more importantly, teams that shoot from three. Um, that is where they can struggle too, and so that's where Pitt's going to have to really kind of hit them hard. Um, there is definitely a – there's a, clearly a blueprint for Pitt to win that game. They should win that game. Um, but they can't let Florida get them where they are, with, you know, their length, their size, and, and get a three-point shooting uh, contest going from deep. I think that's the biggest thing uh, in that one. We'll talk more about that tomorrow, but I want to switch over here um, to Darrell Revis. Yes, um, Darrell Revis is going into the Hall of Fame. Pitt is going to have another pro football Hall of Famer. It was just revealed that today at the NFL Honors that Revis is officially going in um, to the Hall of Fame. It's Really good to see that. I, I feel a little older now because that's a guy that I remember watching uh, while I pit. Um, but, you know, Darrell Revis is the best cornerback for my money that's ever played at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, so this isn't all that surprising. Um, you, you obviously remember the electric punt return he had. But just look at what he did throughout his career with the Jets. Revis Island was a phenomenon, man. Like, it was a phenomenon. It truly was kind of special to watch his career just keep growing and just keep getting better. Because this is a guy that, you know, Al was was a highly touted guy. Um, he was absolutely a type of guy that more importantly to me changed how you played the game when, when he was there, you know, you weren't playing, you weren't playing to that side of the field. You weren't testing Revis because it wasn't just like he was going to shut down your top receiver and he shut down everybody. It wasn't like he wasn't just going to shut down, you know, top five guys. Like he would shut down Randy Moss. He would shut down Marvin Harrison. He would shut down elite wide receivers, Calvin Johnson, like, all these guys he went up against, it was a death row the way of Darrell Revis. He was that special. He had that magnetism 
a rare ability. You talk about eliminating kind of that other side of of you, you talk about eliminating one side of the field. Guys, this is a guy that legitimately did that. That's that's rare. Um, and so he deserves this. And for Pitt, like I look at it, man, and Revis was so good for Pitt, obviously, and, and was a first round pick, rightfully so. He was awesome. Um, so you loved Darrell Reeves and kind of what he brought to the table. But look at the the actual like stats for Pitt at this point. This is extremely impressive what they're building. Ten Pro Football Hall of Famers. They are one of five schools that can claim to have ten Pro Football Hall of Famers. This is the type of company Pitt is in right now. You know, Notre Dame, USC, Michigan, and Ohio State are there. Pitt's now tied for fourth all time. And they're going to have two more guys coming uh, eventually with Larry Fitzgerald and Aaron Donald. Pitt is legitimately on that echelon, and, and they're kind of an outlier. Like, you don't expect to see Pitt there. Um, they were a blue blood in the past, but they fell off, and they're still producing this high-level talent. An all-time team, <laughs> you, you put together an all-time team for Pitt, and, and I truly believe this, that you can put it up against most teams. Um, it, it really is kind of special. And for their brand, man, it really is nice to be able to tout those high-end talents. You can associate these elite players with Pitt. Um, it really is kind of awesome to see that. And Revis, man, he's the epitome of that. He is an icon. He is a persona. Revis Island is a persona. Um, that's what it is. He's a larger-than-life character. And, and Darrell Revis is legitimately that special um, of a player coming from Aliquippa, you know, you kind of love it. He's he's a hometown guy, a, a special player, no doubt. And he just embodies all of that. He embodies everything about being a Pitt Panther. Um, and he was so good here, you know, three-year guy in all the years uh, he was here. Started as a freshman, what, 11 games? Um, and, and then you look – First team all Big East, two straight years back to back. Uh, he was special. This was a guy that didn't win the Jim Thorpe Award, but he was awesome um, every time you watched him play out there. And so Revis just continuing to impress, um, even now, just kind of as good of a player as he was, and easily the best cornerback to come through. Uh, the Pitt football program, in my opinion. And there haven't been, like, a ton of those. Um, this hasn't been a position where Pitt is, like, super rich with their history, but Revis is the top of that. And so every everyone that comes through and plays corner has a little bit to attain to. They want to reach the the icon uh, level of, of Revis Island. All right, everybody. As always, thank you for listening to the Locked on Pitt podcast. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking a little football recruiting as well as Florida State. Um, but Pitt got another commit, and I want to talk a little bit about the trends we're starting to see in the 2024 class for Pitt. They already have four commits. They usually don't have that many this early, but good for Pitt. We'll talk about that and kind of where it's going from here. Folks, as always, thank you for listening. As always, hail to Pitt.